When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The pain is only getting worse for Kenny Pickett and the Steelers. We'll tell you how much Novocaine you may need this Thursday night at Acroshore versus the Titans. Welcome to the Steelers update from Penn Live, where we keep track of all things Stellas, so you don't have to. This is John Lucy reporting. The expected second-year leap has turned into a major midseason letdown for quarterback Kenny Pickett and the Steelers. In the wake of a 20-10 home loss at the hands of the Jacksonville Jaguars and the referees, the listless Steelers limp into the Thursday night game versus the Tennessee Titans at Acroshore Stadium. Things aren't expected to get any easier. Pittsburgh is bruised, battered, and embarrassed. A bunch of celebrating Jags even stole the terrible towels of Steeler fans, twirling them to celebrate Jacksonville's win. Now, star safety Minka Fitzpatrick is out after he came up lame with a hamstring pull against those Jags. And Kenny Pickett is nursing bruised ribs from a wicked hit that wasn't flagged, while an earlier love tap on long-haired Trevor Lawrence was. It's just some of the many ways things are out of whack and seemingly getting worse for the once promising Steelers. Titans look to be led by their muscle-bound rookie passer, Will Levis, and he's fresh from a four-touchdown performance in his winning NFL debut against the Atlanta Falcons. In just one game, Levis who famously plummeted down the draft board and drifted into the second round before being plucked by the Titans at pick 33 last spring, managed to outshine Pickett. Levis put up long balls but no picks en route to posting a 130.5 passer rating. By contrast, Pickett cracked the 100 rating just once in his 20 games played and he's never thrown four touchdowns, and he's tossed three TDs in a game just once. In fact, one touchdown per game has become the norm for the punchless picket and the sputtering Steelers offense. That's been the story in five of their seven games this season and nine of the past 13 going back to last year. What Pickett and the Steelers really specialize in is going three and out. Yet in wake of another anemic attack against the Jaguars, Coach Tomlin did his best to convince the assembled Pittsburgh press that his team's slow, sleepwalking starts aren't the problem. Said Tomlin, quote, The early portions of the game don't decide the outcome. Obviously, we want more fluid starts, but it didn't determine the outcome of the game, unquote. Silly Steelers fans, the first half is for warming up, not for scoring touchdowns. Well, this time, Pickett didn't get the chance to pull out another improbable win in the fourth quarter. 
after leaving with the rib injury late in the first half, and thankfully the injury isn't structural, no broken bones, but Pickett never returned to the Jaguars game. In relief, Mitch Trubisky capped a long touchdown drive with a smart 22-yard strike to George Pickens, who then employed an acrobatic leap to elude two tacklers en route to the end zone. Overall, Mitch was 5 of 6 for 60 yards on that scoring drive. Unfortunately, Trubisky was last seen egregiously throwing into triple coverage from a, for a putrid pick that helped seal the Steelers' loss. With Pickett in limbo, some in Pittsburgh were calling for Mason Rudolph to be behind center versus the Titans. This is how bad things have gotten in the Burg. The biggest problem might be the team's long-term evaluation of Pickett. The hope was the Pitt product would seize his sophomore season to cement his status as the Steelers' franchise QB for the next decade plus. Instead, more and more questions are mounting whether Pickett's really the guy for the Steelers. Leading the growing chorus of doubters is caustic Pittsburgh radio personality Mark Madden, who wrote this as part of a scorching screed excoriating Pickett. Quote, Pickett's ceiling is mid-level NFL quarterback. Probably not even that. He's backup material. He's Mason Rudolph. If Pickett hadn't gone to Pitt, he'd be the most hated man in Pittsburgh. Okay, maybe the second most behind Matt Canada. Sunday's home loss, Pickett's arm was its usual level of haphazard. Pickett's most costly misfire came in the second quarter on a third and goal at Jacksonville's five-yard line. He threw behind Deontay Johnson, who was open in the end zone. Pickett misses far too many open receivers. Pickett isn't the guy. He's played 20 games. That's not a small sample. Pickett has had enough time, but he's going to get more time. Barring injury, Pickett will start through the entirety of not just this season, but next season. At that point, the Steelers will have to decide whether to pick up the fifth-year option on Pickett's rookie contract. They will. The Steelers hate to be wrong, especially when they are, unquote. Wow, now that's a takedown. And Madden took it. Uh, and that was his column for Trib Live. Meanwhile, his radio show has echoed much the same tenor. And Madden is right about a few things. The Steelers do face a thorny evaluation process for Pickett. Complicating matters is all the smoke emanating from those fire Canada chants. Steelers Nation still wants the overmatched offensive coordinator gone, but could he just be a scapegoat masking Pickett, his late reads, and his off target throws as the real problem in Pittsburgh? Many Pickett fans, and there are a considerable number of those in the 412 area code and beyond will not stand for any decision at the QB position until Kenny gets a chance to show his stuff under a new offensive play caller. This will delay the Steelers' decision on the most important position in football. Worse, it could lead to the Pittsburgh Brass talking themselves into a picket reclamation project under a new coordinator. This is where the Steelers stand. Not at a crossroads, but at a seeming dead end. 
They are going nowhere right now, just like their offense. How bad has it gotten? Well, did you ever think you'd hear Mike Tomlin, the splash play proponent that he is, poo-pooing three turnovers produced by his defense? Well, he did in wake of the jarring Jaguars' loss. The problem? Those turnovers occurred at the opposite end of the field, far too far for Pittsburgh's problematic offense to do anything with them. Quote, we were able to get some turnovers, but they weren't the type of turnovers that tee up the offense in terms of being on a short field. We got some, but not the type that's really advantageous, unquote, and really unbelievable. This is where we are with the moorbound Steelers offense. Turnovers aren't even turnovers anymore. Wow. Well, of course, we're going to have much more breaking down the clearly broken Steelers attack, plus a full preview of the test presented by those visiting Titans on a short week. All in this special early edition of your Steelers Update Podcast. Hey, and be sure to check out my full print column, First Thing Thursdays on Penn Live. As always, it will be packed with plenty of memes bringing the latest, greatest Steelers debates to life, to laughs, and these days, more than a few tears. Right now, let's get right to it. Hey, it's a short week for the Steelers. It's also a short week for your Steelers update. So this is being recorded uh, before there's any real clarity on the status of Kenny Pickett for Thursday night's home game versus the Titans. Of course, those Titans are now being led by muscle-bound rookie QB Will Levis, and he is trending toward a starting that game. And he is a young arm, of course, that we mentioned that could outshine the Steelers' sophomore QB out of pit. But, of course, you know, that's another story, and we covered it in the open. But as far as Pickett's status for the Thursday nighter, uh, here's the latest on Pickett's progress toward playing. And it comes straight from the mouth of Mike Tomlin, and it's aggregated by the athletic. They write, quote, the door's definitely ajar for Kenny to play this week. That was Tomlin's exact words at his Monday press conference. And of course, he did inform us, as I related earlier, there's no structural damage to those ribs of the quarterback. Tomlin said Pickett will test the ribs when the team has its most extensive practice on Wednesday. Uh, he did indicate it's not just a matter of whether Pickett is medically cleared, but whether he can throw and move. Quote, I need to see some physical preparation in order to consider him, unquote. Tomlin did have some good news on the injury front. Cam Hayward, who's been on injured reserve, could play for the first time since week one, and wouldn't that be a welcome sight? Uh, that has to count as good news if there is any these days in a beleaguered Steelers nation. The bigger story for the Steelers could be who's definitely not suiting up on Thursday night and perhaps for several games beyond that, and that is star safety Minka Fitzpatrick, as noted, pulled up lame in the Jags game and is now nursing a hamstring injury for what is a still undetermined amount of time that he will spend out of the Steelers lineup. We return to the athletic and staff writer Mike DeFabo 
who assesses the damage to the Steelers' defense with Minka, M-I-A. DeFabo writes, quote, Even when healthy, Pittsburgh's secondary has been inconsistent this season. They were already playing without starting right cornerback Levi Wallace. Injury to Fitzpatrick is another hit the group will have to absorb. The Steelers typically rotate Keanu Neal and DeMonte Kazee as the strong safety alongside Fitzpatrick. With the pro bowler out, both Neal and Kazee played in the base defense. As an added wrinkle, the Steelers love to play a three-safety sub-package. In this instance, special teams captain Miles Killebrew stepped in for some of his first defensive snaps of the season. Unquote. Well, uh, as DeFabo tells us from the Jacksonville game, this new lineup, the three-safety three lineup, didn't go all that well. He continues this way, quote, Fitzpatrick, who leads the Steelers with 54 tackles, was frequently the safety responsible for locking down dynamic tight ends. And it's probably not a coincidence that the Jaguars tight end, Evan Ingram, had his most productive game of the season. He made 10 catches for 88 yards versus the Steelers. With all the moving pieces on the back end, Fitzpatrick also serves as a hub of communication. And of course, on Jacksonville's 56-yard touchdown to running back Travis Etienne, Tomlin said the Steelers were not on the same page. Unquote. Well, given all that, here comes the Titans on a short week. As DeFabo tells us, Tennessee loves doubling, even tripling up on their tight ends. That's going to create a potential mismatch for the shorthanded Steelers. DeFabo explains the dilemma for the Minka-less defense this way. Quote, on Thursday when the Steelers host Tennessee, the three-safety package will be stressed in a variety of ways while featuring a new face. Typically, it would be the perfect time to de deploy the big nickel and the three-safety dime. The Titans utilize two or more tight ends on 39.5% of their offensive plays. That's the third highest frequency in the entire NFL. The Titans get especially creative with second-year tight end Chikuzim Okanokawa. You'll know him when you see him. He's 6'3", 250 pounds. He's a puzzle piece who was named to the all-rookie team last season, and he can be a traditional in-line tight end. He can be detached as a slot receiver or put his hand in the dirt as a fullback. During Sunday's win over the Falcons, his most unique play came when he lined up in the backfield as a lead blocker for Derrick Henry in an offset eye formation, then released through the middle of the line like he was run blocking. But just as the inside linebacker braced for contact from the full back, Okano darted past him on a leap over route. He was wide open, but dropped the pass. He negated what would have been at least a 30-yard gain. Said Tomlin, quote, he's a matchup. Issue unquote. Well, as uh, DeFabo gives us the rundown, we got a problem, and he sums it up this way The Steelers and their chess piece defense is missing its queen in the form of one, Minka Fitzpatrick. 
And of course, as we noted right now, uh, it's a question of how much time Minka will miss. As DeFabo tells us, quote, hamstring injuries often lead to multi-week absences. And the Steelers have seen it with Deontay Johnson and currently with tight end Pat Fryer move. If Fitzpatrick injury lingers, so too will the question in Pittsburgh's secondary, unquote. Great stuff from DeFabo and The Athletic, as always. Now, should the Steelers want to shore up that shaky secondary without Minka, perhaps it would be a Halloween trade for Chicago Bears cornerback Jalen Johnson. Such was the speculation swirling along with the ghosts and goblins on Halloween. In the short week and our early deadline hampers our ability to follow this speculation to its conclusion, but here's a taste of the possible trade and what Johnson would bring to Pittsburgh from the Windy City. Comes courtesy of Pittsburgh radio host Joe Starkey, who penned this snippet in his mailbag column for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Quote, Bears cornerback Jalen Johnson was granted permission to seek a trade and it had people talking, but it would probably take a couple of draft picks, maybe a third, a fifth rounder, according to Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus. He spoke this morning on the fan morning show in Pittsburgh and said the Bears might even push for a second round pick in return for the cornerback. Johnson also needs a new deal, and that's a problem in Chicago. He's an outstanding cover corner, and if the Steelers were legit Super Bowl contenders, I'd be all over a deal like this. A perfect rental player for the stretch run. Maybe even try to sign him long term. But the simple fact of the matter is, this is not a legit Super Bowl contender. You're not going anywhere with this offense, so why expend draft capital on a possible rental player? No. I believe the Steelers will find a much lower quality veteran corner for a much lower price. Spielberger suggested as much, mentioning Christian Fulton of the Titans and even Carolina's Dante Jackson. And I'm, and I'm not even sure it would be a name that recognizable, unquote. Well, you cannot argue with Starkey's logic there. Only contending teams should entertain a win-now trade that costs them significant draft capital. The sputtering Steelers do not fit that contending category. The bright spot for that Steelers secondary has to be the improving and increasing play of rookie cornerback Joey Porter Jr. Now installed as the starter and even after taking the blame for that communication error that led to the Travis ATN catch-and-run TD versus those Jags, Porter is definitely on the come. Here's Adam Bittner with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette breaking down the pro football focus grades on Porter as our cornerback's arrow is clearly pointed skyward for the Steelers. Bittner writes, quote, now that we have back-to-back -back outings of at least 50 snaps each for the rookie cornerback, we're starting to get enough data to meaningfully analyze him. And that data is promising. His 73.3 PFF grade on Sunday against Jacksonville was his sixth and seventh outings at 64.3 or better. And his third outing at 70 or better. 
He's now played 143 coverage snaps and been targeted just 14 times, allowing three receptions for 32 yards. That's remarkable for any quarterback, let alone a rookie and a second-round pick, albeit it was pick 32. Now, tackling has been one of the main explanations given for why the coaching staff has been cautious about using Porter, and the data does back that up. His 31.5 overall grade in that category is not good. But it's mitigated greatly by the fact that he's not been near the ball much at all given the lack of targets he's getting. He's only missed four tackles on the season. All in all, you have to say it's close to the best start most could have asked for, and it'll be interesting to see if Joey Porter Jr. can keep it going given his tendency to wear down late in seasons in college at Penn State, unquote. Hmm, interesting. Wear down? Porter just got the starting job. I'd say the Steelers' nifty corner with the legacy last name is just getting warmed up. How about a big game against those Titans and the much-touted rookie QB, Will Levis? Of course, we know he's coming off a four-touchdown, count them four, touchdown performance in his NFL debut. So what's in store for Levis versus the Steelers? Once again, we go to Adam Bittner with the Post-Gazette giving us a preview of the QB position for the Titans. He writes, quote, The rookie infamously plummeted from the top of many draft boards into the second round this past April. Last Sunday versus Atlanta, Levis completed 19 of 29 passes for 238 yards and four touchdowns against zero interceptions. Passer rating for the afternoon was a solid 130.5, and he showed some downfield chops in averaging 8.2 yards per attempt. For context, Steelers starter Kenny Pickett has never thrown three, let alone four, touchdown passes in a single game. He's never posted a passer rating as good as the one Levis did. In fact, he's only cracked, as we mentioned before, 100 once in far more action than Levis. Tomlin's defenses now traditionally have performed very well against rookies, and that trend may well continue if Levis sees extended action or gets the start on a short week, unquote. Well, that's one way of looking at it. I mean, we do have a good record against rookies, but only if the Steelers can break up the scoring connection that Levis has developed very quickly with veteran receiver DeAndre Hopkins, who seemed to come alive last week. Bittner writes this of Hopkins, quote, He was a big reason Levis was able to have success, catching six passes for 128 yards and three of the four touchdowns. His season average is an explosive 16.3 yards per reception. He's on a pace to total over 1,200 yards, which he hasn't done since 20. It will be interesting to see how he matches up against the Steelers' secondary. The bad news for the Titans is they don't have many other viable options in the passing game at wide receiver, unquote. Ah, uh, but there are those aforementioned tight, tight ends, and they do have a running game led by a man named Derek Henry. As for Henry, Bittner tells us, quote, he's on a pace for just 291 carries on the year. 
That would be his fewest over a mostly full, healthy campaign since 2018 when he received 215 attempts. He's been pretty much the same running back with the Titans when the Titans have been able to get him the ball. He averages 4.4 yards per carry, which is just a few hairs off his career average of 4.7. So if the Steelers fail to get a lead, forcing the Titans to throw more often, it's very possible they could get a heavy dose of Henry at close to his best. Backup Tajay Spears is another name worth knowing. He's eaten into Henry's touches by averaging 5.8 yards per carry and catching 18 passes out of the backfield. Together, they form a potent one-two punch that could bury the Steelers quickly if they are not careful, unquote. Ooh, that is quite the warning and quite the threat. Running, stopping the run has still been problematic for this Pittsburgh defense, and this is a one-two punch to be feared. Well, as for how it all turns out, we will not have to wait long to find out those answers. Ready or not, here comes the Titans on Thursday Night Football, so cue up those Amazon Prime subscriptions or get yourself out to Acrisure Stadium. I, for one, will be there in person to view how all this plays out, and we need this home win bad. So all that's left to say is, go Steelers! And all that's left to do is for you to sign up for Steelers Update Podcast wherever you get your favorite audio and your favorite podcast, so you get it fresh, steaming, hot, with some great Steelers takes right out of the Steel City every Wednesday afternoon. We're going to get you all the best storylines coming out of the Titans game as we return to our regular Wednesday afternoon schedule. And we'll have it for you then next Wednesday afternoon. And of course, log on to penlive.com anytime for your real-time Steelers news. <laughs>